each one of these types has a, a, a first reaction to a super stressful situation. And it's so for the, the gut people, it's driven by anger. For the heart people, it's driven by feelings and including sadness and grief. And then um, for the head people, it's anxiety. So, so when people are going through a transition, depending on what their Enneagram type is, they will probably start with one of those three. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. We have Matt Schlegel on, and we will be talking about his book, Teamwork 9.0, and talking about Enneagrams and how we can use it to solve problems, including climate change. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that is a big one. That's a big one. So welcome, Matt. So great to be with you here, Kendra. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad to have you on. And I was telling your, the assistant that reach out, reached out to tell me about your book regarding Enneagrams. I'm like, oh, yes, I've been looking into that. And I had already had my children do to see which Enneagram. Okay, let's, let's get that one. Enneagram, Enneagram, Enneagram. 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 Okay, I'll just say it that way. Enneagram. Um, what Enneagram number my kids were. Yeah. Just so that yeah. I could even know how to relate with them. I had made them do the test. I already had an yeah. idea which one they were. And I was right on one child. I wasn't yeah. right on the other, which was surprising. And yeah. then just recently, I did it myself. So, uh, but I, it's oh. funny, I had done it for my kids, but I had not done it. My... Are you going to tell us? So yeah. I will tell you which one came up. Number yeah. two. I'm a two. Okay. Yes. I'm a two. That one came yeah. up. What about you? I... What number are you? I'm a six. You're a six. So I'm tell us. Okay, let's let's go. Okay, my gosh, let, we're jumping already ahead. So what is yeah. number six? What is that one? Oh, so um, sometimes we're called the loyalist. Sometimes we're called like the bureaucrat. Sometimes we're called the questioner. We ask lots of questions. We like systems. We like things to like go, you know, in order predictably. So that's why we create these systems to try to make things happen in a predictable way. And that's exactly what you did. So tell us your background because you're not, you're, uh, you wrote a book, but tell us yeah. what your background is in and why it is that systems is definitely your, exactly. your niche, your niche. Exactly. So yeah, I, I um, started out with a technical background as engineering. 
um, I became an engineering manager and at some, or I became an engineer. And at some point my manager came to me and said, Hey Matt, I want you to be a manager. And I said, I don't know how to manage people. I only know about managing electrons. And he said, don't worry, you'll be fine. But you know, now that you know, I'm a six, you know, I'm not fine. And so I started <laughs> studying everything, studying, studying, studying. And then I, I came across all of these tools to help teams and people be more effective in working together. And, um, and one of those systems I came across was the Enneagram. And, um, and, you know, so my engineering brain likes to pull these systems apart and put, put them back together and see what works well and what doesn't. And um, no matter how much I poked and prodded the Enneagram, it's like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, it just keeps going and going and going. And it's so powerful. And it's so effective at, you know, predicting how things will work out, which appeals to a type six, obviously. So, <laughs> um, so that's why, you know, I just became fascinated with it. I ended up using it at work with my team, both as a personality system. And then I asked the question, why are the Enneagram types numbers? Why aren't they letters or colors or animals or, you know, what? Why numbers? And why? Well, it turns, well, it turns out that the numbers are, are there for a reason. And it's the exact order in which humans solve problems. So there is a dynamic, a personality dynamic associated with each type. And that dynamic is exactly the, the dynamic you need in problem solving for that step. So for instance, the, the type one is sometimes called the perfectionist. And they're the ones who say, hey, it shouldn't be like that. It should be like this. Well, what's the first step in problem solving? Hey, there's a problem. It shouldn't be like that. It should be like this, right? And on and around, you know, so step two, for instance, you know, if you, you, you may the mind. be relating to the step two. The step two is who cares? Who cares about the problem? If, if somebody thinks there's a problem and nobody around them cares, then you're probably not going to end up solving the problem. But if the one brings up, hey, there's a problem, and then a bunch of people around them say, yeah, you're right. We care. There is a problem. Then guess what? The problem gets solved. You move mm. to step three. Let's come up with some ideas. And step four, oh, let's pick a good idea. And step five, let's analyze the ideas. Step six, oh, let's build a plan to get to the goal. Oh. Seven, let's get everybody excited. Step eight, let's stop <laughs> talking and do it. And step nine, how did it work? <laughs> That's so perfect. Yeah. So then if, I, if nine people were to be in a team and yeah. each one was one number, yeah. then would that make that team be more effective if, everybody, mm -hmm. if there was a one, a two, a nine, all the way through nine? Right. Exactly. You know, if it, it would be a perfectly balanced team. Now, the mm. the odds that you would get nine people, all one of each type together is almost astronomical that <laughs> that that would happen. Mm -hmm. So most teams aren't balanced like that, which is why I have a consulting practice. <laughs> Yes. And I liked, you know, I just went to your, to your link right now, which by the way, I'll make sure to link in the show notes so that people can go because you have a free assessment one and yours was actually easier. I, I didn't end up filling it. I didn't have time this right before our call to fill it out because I, I had already done it in another website, but I felt the way you just checked marked on these was easier than these other ones that go into these questions that it's like, 
from inaccurate to accurate, kind of like, where are you? It's a little more like gray area when you're answering and you're like, eh, am I? Like, which, so those are a little more ambiguous sometimes in these other websites to answer. And I thought yours was really clear and concise because you just check mark which ones apply yeah. to you. And, and then you kind of know in the, in the number that you check mark the most, <laughs> that's exactly. probably that's exactly. your, exactly. that's your. And, and, and just one you know, warning about Enneagram assessments. Um, it, you know, I, in my experience, the one that I, I have up right now on my website is, is a good one. Um, but <laughs> it's, you know, you have to also acknowledge that, you know, you're coming to the test at a certain state in your life. And like, for instance, when I first took the assessment years ago, I tested highest as an eight. And six was the next highest. They were about the same, but eight was a little higher. And that's because I was working in a situation surrounded by eights where eight behavior was expected. And I was behaving like an eight. And, you know, I was just feeling the role that was expected of me. So when I checked off those things, I was like, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. And I wasn't thinking about is that really the way I would respond if I were just doing it on my own or am I doing it because that's what's expected of me of my, my culture. And so yeah. just be aware that sometimes you may not score the highest on your actual core type. Okay. Now with that, with that said, do you notice that the same can be, can occur then in a family like in which maybe you end up being more of a number because that's what maybe is needed more in that role as a parent or something that you end up kind of becoming more of a certain number in that dynamic as well? Um, I, you know, I think that's more true um, for adults than for mm -hmm. children. children. You know, when, okay. you know if, if it's children taking the test that, you know, they're, you know, less, you know, in control and they, they've been, you know, less culturized into, mm -hmm. you know, behaving in certain ways in certain situations. And so they tend to answer the questions more honestly. And so, um, you know, that, so I'd say that's more of a, a situation for an adult, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, say, you know, a, a mother who, you know, you know, like, being a mother, there's a lot of two-ness in being a mother. And mm. so, you know, if you're a mother and you're taking care of kids, you're like, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do I that. Do. Yeah, I yeah do that. I'm a two. I'm a two. two, two. Yeah, <laughs> right. true, true, true. And you're, you're behaving like a two, whether you're a two or not as a mother. Right. right? That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Okay. So now let's uh, talk a little bit about your life. So where do you live? And I, and we want to kind of, again, we, we already found out how it is you came about developing the system, but I want to learn more about, about you. So oh. where do you live and a little bit about your family? Yeah. So I live in the San Francisco Bay area and um, married for 31 years. I have three kids um, the, the oldest is, uh, 28 living up in Seattle. Next is down in San Diego. And both are, um, um, young women who are, you know, successfully out on their own. And I'm very proud of them. And then I have a son who, um, is, is still with us here in the home. He's in college, he's taking classes and he's, 
um, studying likely to be an engineer. So uh, <laughs> like dad, <laughs> following in his dad's footsteps a little bit. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm very proud of him and the progress he's making too. So yeah, it's great. Now, how did this Enneagram, did that end up, did you end up making everybody test when you found this out? Like how long ago did you find out about Enneagrams and did you end up then having everyone in your family then take the yeah, test? So, you know, I've been, <laughs> you know, working with the Enneagram for over 20 years now. Oh, and wow. we actually um, learned it through my wife's church. So the pastor at the wife's church, my wife's church, is, um, you know, really into the Enneagram. And um, in fact, you know, he now has a, uh, a, a, a foundation that focuses on, you know, you know, different, you know, elements of spirituality that aren't necessarily religious. And, mm -hmm. and one of those is um, the Enneagram. And so he actually has invited me to become the director of Enneagram studies for his foundation. So, you know, he's oh, like my yeah. longtime mentor on the Enneagram and, and I'm still, we, we do monthly Enneagram workshops together. So that's a long way of saying I actually came into it after most of my family already knew it. And, wow. um, and there, you know, and when I'm taking the test and I'm, I'm testing eight, you know, and they're like looking at me, you're not an eight. No. You're a <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> And you're like, okay, so if you go with the flow, then wait, are eights more rigid? Oh, are eights, eights more are, rigid? No, no. I mean, no, eights, no, okay. eights are probably less rigid. Less rigid. Um, okay. You know, they're, they're the ones who like to be in control. So they're okay. the boss or the asserter. You know, that, that's that style, right? Okay, so but now when you said, no, okay, I'm going to say, oh, okay. That's why I said, oh, okay, maybe you weren't an eight. If you're like, okay, yeah, I'll go with the six. Because yeah, right. maybe <laughs> if you were an eight, you would have been like, no, no, I'm an eight. I know that's I right. am. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, when they said you're, you're not an eight, it makes me think. Which is exactly what a, a six does, right? Yes. Exactly. You're like, oh, wait, no, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm not. Um, so, okay. So then you, you did that then in your personal life. And then how yeah. is it that then you started then to implement? So when you were given this role at work yeah. to be a project manager, you're like, how am I going to manage people? Yeah. You come up with a system, this tool. How yeah. did you start implementing it then with your, with your team? Right. Well, well, first of all, you know, like most people, you know, you come in to the Enneagram through that personality aspect of it. So the, you know, that problem solving, you know, process, you know, the one through nine came later. So I just started using it with my team and um, introduced them to it, um, you know, got them to understand each other's styles and types. And, you know, and it was really very effective at helping everybody understand each other's perspective. And, you know, most importantly, it gives you a vocabulary. It gives you a vocabulary to talk about these different dynamics that are going on, right? When, you know, some conflict arises and you have the vocabulary of the Enneagram and you could say, well, you're a one and you're a seven, right? And, you know, you know, the ones have this objective, the sevens have this objective, and, you know, you're all trying to get to the same end point, but you have these different perspectives and that's where this conflict is arising. And, you know, so let's talk about that. And, and it's, it's really, um, 
it, you know, that's one of the things I'm most grateful about for the system is, is that vocabulary and then allowing people to just, you know, open up that possibility that, oh, well, yeah, my perspective isn't the only perspective. And now that I understand they're a one and I understand what's important to them, I can totally see why they're doing that. And, well, this is the common ground. So let's do that. Boom. Done. Then it helps. Now, how open are people in general to take the test when you realize, like when you're managing a team, are people really excited to find out what they are? Are people reluctant or do people see how beneficial this could be in that team or work environment? Does, you know what I mean? Like, have you had all kinds of people like be like, I don't want to do that. I don't know. All of the above, you know, and it depends on the type. You know, like okay. some types, you know, like you said earlier, eights. I am an eight. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> right. I mean, eights, eights, like one, you know, they don't mind being an eight, you know, and they like uh, resonate with that eightness and, you know, and it, it's done. Um, you know, the, and, and certain type ones are also, they, they're pretty easily self-identify, um, uh, you know, but then some of the other types have, you know, more trouble, like take the nine, right? The nine is the master at understanding everybody's perspective. That's what they do. They're, they're always like thinking of others. They're always putting themselves into other people's shoes. And, and so, you know, it's really hard for them to like say, well, then who am I? Mm. <laughs> and, and so, and, and so when you're talking to a nine, it's like, well, maybe that is, you know, one of the, you know, aspects of being a nine is that you can do this. Oh, okay. Right. So, <laughs> so each, each type, you know, another one is uh, fours. Um, they're able to put themselves in everybody's emotional shoes. And so sometimes they have a little more trouble. Um, you know, uh, fives, you know, they tend to um, be able to, you know, masterfully take on different roles and personas in the environment so they feel like like they can be anybody you know so they're like and, and to the point where like okay so which one one am i which one am i right like they're and, chameleon. And, uh -huh. and and the one that they are is the one that's able to put themselves in everybody's persona right 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 <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah so then it helps now in in the uh work environment when you've done this what which numbers do you see that there's numbers that work better together in general personality wise which what would you say is that is there a particular yeah. formula yeah. for that right and I, I actually write about this in a chapter in my book called work team triads and i first noticed it just anecdotally just you know seeing you know if you just throw people together, right, and they kind of organically start to work together, and then I would see which types are just like naturally working together, and um, and I found out that there are these three distinct groups that just like naturally work together with almost no conflict at all. It's just like wow, and um, and and there is uh, I, you know, and I call them I call them work team triads, and I and I gave them names. Um, it, but the, the, um, there is another, uh, 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 author who called them the, um, harmony triads. 
And so they're the one, the four, and the seven, the two, the five, and the eight, and the three, six, and nine. And so those groups of three tend to like each other and work well together. And um, so, that, so that's a really interesting facet that I've, I've found of this. And each one of those teams brings a certain distinct dynamic, right? So like if you have a like the one and the seven and the four together, they want to do new, innovative, fun stuff, right? So that's like your, you know, team for like exploring new possibilities. And then the, the two, five, and the eight, what they want to do is like, we want to get stuff done. And then, you know, so then that's, you know, those are the type of people who tend to like migrate to more operations types of roles in companies where they're just like cranking out product or, you know, they're, they're running the place. Right. And then the, the three, six, nine, that's the group that kind of wants to like, look at everything and build a, uh, like a smooth operating structure for everything. Right. And so they tend to, you know, put in place like the organizations and the systems that just kind of make it all work together. And so those are kind of the three. And and you'll see like companies go through that same phase too. Right. Well, you that's know? what I was just going to say. Yeah. Because yeah. you create you need the creatives to come yeah. up with the idea of yeah. what is going to be the, to then hand off to the two, the fives and the eight yeah. to then implement it, yeah. to then hand to the team that's the three, six, nine to then be able to create the whole pic- Exactly. So I call them the startup triad, the industrious triad, and the systematizing triad. That is so cool. Now, in those, okay, so those are triads. Now, are there numbers, let's say, that would work? I know you mainly do it for uh, work environments, but would there be then numbers that work together as teams in in relationship-wise, too? Right. Because these are triads. Like, which ones would be, like, numbers that work well just as binary like right right so the um so any combination of those harmony triads so like oftentimes you'll see you know eights and um twos you know pair up um you'll see uh and and, you know eights twos and fives any combination of those will pair up um one fours and sevens what you see that all the time ones and sevens marry each other all the time um, the, um, the other one is three, six, nines, you know, I see couples from that triad together all the time. And then there's one other pattern that I've seen. And, and this is a really interesting aspect of the Enneagram is that for any type, the, the hardest dynamic, you know, so like I'm a six and I'm, you know, I'm kind of in my six dynamic and I have more or less access to the other dynamics, the other, you know, eight dynamics. But generally, the hardest dynamic for any type to access is one type higher. Like for me, it's the seven, right? And, okay. and, and, and that is true almost all the time, all the way around. So here's what I see happen is that when women, because, you know, women make, the the choice usually in the relationship, right? So, you know, so when women are looking for, you know, somebody to partner with, 
they see in uh, you know there that person who is one type one number higher someone who's very complimentary to them mm. so i see this all the time and and you know it, it does get a little bit gender you know related Specific. in this case mm-hmm. but that that's just the pattern i've observed is that the 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 woman will often choose a, a man who is one number higher and 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 so that's another pattern i see that is interesting yeah now i I'm curious now because you've you've interviewed then a lot of people to be able to see all these patterns. You've you've been yeah. able to observe a lot of different people. Yeah. Because with this podcast being a lot regarding grief, have you yeah. noticed in situations that are hard, yeah. how each number deals with transitions yeah. differently, like a change in life? What yeah. could you talk a little bit about that and how yep. does that apply? How would that apply in situations like that in their life? Yeah. Yes. Uh, great question. And, um, you know, so and 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 Enneagram, um, you know, it, it, there's it really can speak to this very well um, because there's there's another set of triads um, in the Enneagram. Um, and these are these are called the centers. These are the main triads of of the enneagram. It's the the eight nine one, the two three four, and the five six seven. And the best way I found to explain this is if you've seen the movie The Wizard of Oz, and there's Dorothy, and she meets these three characters on her journey. She meets the lion who wants courage meets the tin man who wants a heart and meets the scarecrow who wants a head. And those are exactly the same, you know, elements that are associated with these main triads. The eight, nine, one are the gut people. The uh, two, three, four are the heart people. And the five, six, seven are the head people. And then each one of these types has a, a first reaction to a super stressful situation. And it's so for the, the gut people, it's driven by anger. For the heart people, it's driven by feelings and including sadness and grief. And then um, for the head people, it's anxiety. So, so when people are going through a transition, depending on what their Enneagram type is, they will probably start with one of those three. Some people will go straight to grief. Some people will go to anger. And some people will go to anxiety and have panic attacks, right? So, and it, you know, so for instance, when, when I saw the title of your podcast, I knew immediately that you were in the two, three, four group because you start <laughs> off with grief and gratitude, and which is exactly, you know, the grief is the two, three, four and the gratitude is the two. So if you had asked me just from your the podcast title, I could have guessed two. It, that is so interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how, how much you can know yes. about someone just by these choices. And then with knowing this, then yeah. too, then 
in assimilating when other people are going through something hard by knowing your enneagram then you can know and by knowing other people in yeah. your family's enneagram you can know where they're at in that moment of their transition and why it is that maybe they're leading more towards the anxiety component in that transition rather than with the grief and the sadness or right. like the other person may be leading with anger and it right. helps you understand and be more empathetic towards the way that each of us is different, you know, dealing with it differently. Exactly. 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 Mm -hmm. And, and no response is wrong, right? Right. I mean, there, right. there is no wrong response no. and, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're humans you know, and, and this is the one thing I love about the Enneagram is because it just, you know, you know, like once I understood I'm a six and, you know, being a, a six guy in America is kind of a tough thing. It's not the normal accepted behavior for a guy. The, the kind of the prototypical guy model is the eight. And so mm. as a six, you know, I'm having to kind of step out of my comfort zone and be more like what's expected of me in my culture. And, and then, you know, if, if you're not aware that you're doing that intentionally and you're just like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I just do what comes to them naturally? You know, you, you kind of, it can be a little self-defeating, right? But once you like understand your Enneagram type and then you understand what, you know, what is your gift? What is your superpower in problem solving? Because we all have a superpower in problem solving. We all have this superpower that we can contribute to helping everybody else out. And then once you know that, it's like, oh, I feel the way I, I am because that's exactly the right thing for me to feel. And I just need to now know how to channel that into a healthy contribution to the group and not let it control me I'm just using it to inform me That's that, right you know, I can now, you know, inform the group better about what is going on. Does that, that make sense? That, yes, absolutely. You know, and I, I think that that is so important because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves and how it is we react to situations. We're our biggest judge, right? Yeah, and exactly. so by being understanding it and, and having grace with ourselves and the way that we deal with certain situations and the way that we react based on our personality, it gives us also that capacity of having grace with others. If we have grace with ourselves as well. Yes. So. Right. And then what, yeah, once you have that acceptance of yourself and you yes. know, Oh, it's okay for me to feel anxious. I'm supposed to feel anxious. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, Oh, it's okay for them to be angry. That's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. It's okay for them to be sad. That's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. It's all okay. And, and then we can just like, what is that telling us? You know, why are they sad? What, what, what is, what about what we're doing is, you know, causing them to be emotions. sad and what mm -hmm. can we do to help them, you know, overcome that? Mm -hmm. Yes. No, that is awesome. Now you mentioned how and this before we started recording how then these enneagrams can also help us with climate change like yes okay let's go into that like how is it that understanding this can then lead us to solve these bigger world problems right right 
Yeah, so, it, you know, you can look at the, um, the challenge of climate change as a problem, right? It's okay. a problem, right? And um, so, you know, step one in that problem-solving process is, I, you know, identifying that, oh, there's a problem. And so then, you know, you, once you say, okay, there's a problem, then you go to step two, which is, do you care? And I would say right now, you know, collectively, and, you know, I live in America, so I'll just, I'll just, you know, speak for America. You know, in, in my impression is not enough people yet care. care. Mm -hmm. Right. Once mm -hmm. enough people care, then action starts to, to happen. Right. And and so um, I think we're in this process now of moving from realization of the problem and then moving into caring about the problem. But there's a big challenge with caring about climate change, which is different from other challenges in a big way. And that is that once you acknowledge that, oh, there's a climate crisis and it's caused by burning fossil fuels, that's the root cause of this is burning fossil fuels, then you're like, if, if I acknowledge that problem, does that mean I have to stop burning fossil fuels? Mm. Does that mean I have to start thinking about how I'm using fossil fuels? Mm. You know, when I'm showering, you know, is that a gas heater out there heating up that water? You know, when I get in my car, am I burning fossil fuels to get to work? You know, I get on an airplane. Am I burning, you know, fossil fuel kerosene right. as I'm flying across the country? As I'm, as I'm using this uh, plastic cup, am I, did, <laughs> did fossil fuel go into creating this? <laughs> you know, like right. so many things. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so, you know, once you get to that point, you know, what, what, what is the first, you know, it, 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 you know, in, in, in that process, right? I'm, I'm, I, I look at it as a grieving process. What's the first step in grieving? Denial. Realization. Well, oh, denial. Yeah. If we, if we go by the steps, yeah. Or that yeah. Realization. Yeah. Okay. So, right. You yeah. So it's, it's a lot easier for us to just deny the problem and deny there's a problem and blithely go along on our lives and just ignore the problem because <laughs> if we then, do if we accept it we have to make it we have to take action which right. is way more work <laughs> and 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 but it's more than that it's actually going through the grieving process mm -hmm. because you know and you see it right some people will get sad some you know so you know we have you know climate grief now that's a term mm -hmm. we have climate anxiety or eco anxiety that's a term so you can see and then you get people mm -hmm. who, who go to anger, people. just like we had, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the mass shooting we had in Buffalo is a mm. manifestation of, you know, somebody who's reacting to climate with anger. And so that so we're going to see these reactions to the climate crisis, anger, we're going to see grief, and we're going to see anxiety. And we're going to be just seeing more and more of it because, you know, the climate crisis isn't going away and you know we're all going to be impacted by it soon and so so 
you know, I know this is kind of heavy stuff, but you know, the, 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 the Enneagram does give us a model for how, how humanity will respond in our various ways. And then as, you know, and the hopeful thing is as more and more of us actually overcome our denial, you know, then, and, and our impact and work, start to work through that grieving process, that's going to get us to action. That is the thing that will get us to action. Mm. And now in that action, then I was having this conversation right um, before in the other interview I was having. And it's about like sometimes we think these big things right are happening. War. Okay, what do I do about that? Like, right. Can I go and stop the actual? No. So, right. There's other smaller things we can do in our day to day to have a ripple effect in the big scheme. So in that action then that we can each take then for climate change and the impact each of us are making, what would you say in these, going back to Enneagram, what are there then some specific things then that in each Enneagram group, Enneagram group would then lead more towards doing? Right. And you know, that's a great question. And, um, and, and what I tell people is, you know, once once they do get to the point where they want to take action, mm-hmm. you know, the the climate crisis is um, th- there's a term now called hyper object. The hyper object is the thing that touches everything, right? And there's um, a parable about the elephants and the five blind men, you know, and you put five blind men oh, yeah. into a room They're with each an elephant. Touching yeah, part exactly. Of the, yeah. Right. And, you know, and they're all describing the problem in different ways. But the real problem is it's the elephant in the room. Right. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, when when I when I talk to people um, who want to take action, um, I I ask them, you know, what are you passionate about? You know, are you are you are you passionate about, you know, recycling or are you passionate about single, you know, reducing single use plastic? Or are you, you know, passionate about working with your um, local representative and getting them to do something? Or, you know, because we all need to do everything. And so the, the best thing to do is the thing that you're passionate about because you're bringing your whole heart and your whole self to it. And, and that will infect other people to want to join you. Because they'll mm-hmm. see your passion and they'll want to join you in doing it. And so um, th- there's, there's no wrong answer in um, taking climate action. It's, it's an all of the above thing. And just, you know, follow your heart and, you know, do it, you know, do what you can do while keeping in mind that, you know, the, the most important thing you can do is actually start to reduce the amount of fossil fuel fuel you burn in your life and then be that example you know so you know if you can bike instead of getting into the car bike instead of getting into the car and show everybody hey i'm biking i'm gonna bike to the station instead of taking the car what you know whatever just you know start you know thinking about how you're using you know like we're we're electrifying our home and you know the last appliance that we had was the the water heater and we replaced our gas water heater with a heat pump water heater. And we turned off the gas to the house. Now there's no gas flowing to the house, and, you know, and it's great. You know, so 
you just and and now the city is going to you know interview me and ask me about the experience and then they're going to put up my testimonial and you know so okay. i'm just going to like you know there's share a ripple my effect right there other people right. do it and that's what yes. we all need to do yeah yeah, just one little thing can make a difference. Now, in and in the same aspect, then in back again to even just the teamwork. Teamwork nine point. This is like that's teamwork right there in the big, big scope of things of life exactly. right there. Um, and then in your work environment, then the same. We when we when we know that what we're doing has an impact in the organization we're part of, in the family unit we're in, in the yep city we live in and so forth yeah. it does make a difference like yeah. when we realize our actions do affect another human being so right. it all comes down also to that that connectiveness right. of the human of, of humanness of, of, right. of each exactly. other it's, it's it's very scalable you know it's from the smallest team like you know you and your the partner or you and mm -hmm. your family or i i joined a rock band last year oh and, how yeah, cool. so, what do you, know, you so play do you play or do you sing what, so i'm kind of what? the utility player i i, I can okay. i I've, I've been um doing vocals bass and drums with That's this band awesome. so yeah it's but it's it, you know but all of them have different you know enneagram styles you know so it's That's you know wonderful. you see all those dynamics come into play in in that situation too but it's everywhere right and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and then, you know, oh, she's a one. That's why she's bringing this up. And, okay, I, I understand that. And let's, you know, work with her to, you know, help her s solve this, you know, thing that she thinks is wrong. And let's help her get it to, you know, being right. Did you make them all in the band also take the test? I haven't said anything about the Enneagram <laughs> for that. This is, all, this is all just my, my going on in my mind. <laughs> no, yeah, now they're they're gonna have to uh, take it so that you guys even can just work more effectively. Yeah, that'd be interesting that in every single dynamic that we're in, that if we were to take that. But if not, then like you said, if we if we even have an understanding of what other people are in terms of personality, is just how right. we relate to them that also right. shifts. And just by even changing that dynamic and that interaction, it already has an effect. Right. The, you know, and, the, and this just team. came up the other day, you know, uh, you know, a um, one of the persons who, who's a type one had made a comment, you know, and I thought, you know, how how would I respond to that? And I'm like, you know, so they're in, you know, the intuitive group and I'm in the head group. And and the comment they made really made no sense to me, to my rational mm -hmm. brain. So what, but whatever I would say would come from a place of like, that doesn't make sense. You know, can you explain that to me? Whereas uh, there's another person in the, in the band who is also in that intuitive group, who's a nine. And I know the nine will always say the nicest, softest thing and will understand the one way better than I do. So I just zipped my mouth and I just waited. And sure enough, the nine spoke up and said the most perfect thing. So, you know, just, you know, just having that knowledge and just being able to check myself and my reaction and just letting that naturally happen. It was, uh, oh, you know, how beautiful. That, was, that was worth the price of a mission on learning the Enneagram just for that. <laughs> That's beautiful. And, but that takes a lot of self-control to do what you did of just like, okay, let me just wait. Cause I know that I will not say the right thing to this number one, yeah. but 
if I just wait, a number nine will say the right thing in order yep. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to, to <put laughs> situation. That's wonderful. Okay. So then how many years has it been that you've been using this then in the workspace? I know you said 20 years ago was when yeah. your wife first yeah. brought it up. I, and I honestly, it's only been in the last year that I've heard about this. So oh, wow. okay. I, about, yeah. 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 For yeah. myself, like I yeah. had not heard about this, but yeah. again, I am not testing myself all the time to figure out what personality trait oh, I am. And, you know, but, the, but it's the, the millennials are all over this. Yes, and, oh, that I'm hearing it so much now. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and you if you go onto YouTube and you Google Enneagram, there is just some hilarious. Yeah comment uh, you know videos yeah, about yeah. different enneagram types it's, when I mean, they would do in the same situation yeah so like creative. how they would have yeah. it's and funny it's so funny. funny and it's a great way to learn about the different yeah. styles yeah so for you then when did you start implementing it then in in your it was probably job? you know uh, it, it was shortly after i learned it um you know you know just i just started you know talking to people about it you know it was, it was a part of my learning process have you do you know this you know, I, are you interested? And, you know, and the people in my group would say, yeah, let, let's, I'll take the test. Sure. And, you know, and they took it. And so it was, it was pretty much right away that I was Perfect. able to, you know, start to use it in, in the work setting very work informally at first. Yeah. Okay. And now let's talk about your book. When did you launch it and how do people, how can people get a hold of it? Oh yeah. So um, thank you for that. It's, we I launched it March, 2020. Right as we were going okay. into <laughs> pandemic world, um, and uh, so uh, yeah, and it's available on Amazon, and um, definitely you know check it out, and um, you know you can go to the website and take that assessment, and um, that's complimentary, and um, just love to get your feedback on your thoughts on the book and um, and how you're using it. You know, it's it's always a delight. Uh, to hear the different stories and different experiences people are having. Now, who is this book for? Who would be the, who is it for? Is it for someone that has, a, that is like yourself, a project that was a project manager that needed to figure out, is it for a parent? Is it for a teacher? Is it for somebody in the workspace? Who is the best person right. for this book? Who is you this know, book so um, the, 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 the answer is leaders of teams. So Ooh. I was thinking of, um, you know, project and program managers, I had them in mind. And then I just, you know, had, you know, managers in general who are managing a, a team and leaders in general who are leading a team. You know, I wrote the book for them. Um, it, you know, it, it is just such a powerful tool for a leader to, to have that knowledge, even if their team doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing examples of how I use it with my band, right? They don't know the Enneagram, but I know the Enneagram. And as a leader, you know, I, you know, I want everybody to work well together. And I know when I, I can jump in and when I, and I shouldn't. And once other people can jump in and it's the perfect thing, right? And so understanding, I mean, and I, I talk about, I have a chapter called shared leadership. It's like, you know, when, when is it better for you to step back and let somebody else take that lead rather than just jumping in yourself? And so but it's for it's for leaders in general that that I really um have, you know targeted the book. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, is there anything I have not asked you that you would like to share? Or any final words for the listeners as they're listening? Again, we've gotten a lot. We've gotten of how it is you can use it just for yourself, knowing your enneagram. How is that helpful for yourself? 
How is it helpful when you're interacting with others in a work environment? How is it helpful in understanding that as you're dealing with a transition or grief experience in your life or a difficult time? And then how is it helpful when you're leading also then teams? So what other things would you like to share with the with the listeners regarding how they can use this knowledge. This yeah. Tool. And um, I've just, I so appreciate this conversation and you, you, you asked all the, all the right question is so great to be able to share this. So I, I really, you know, you, you did such a good job of, of leading us through that. I, I don't have anything else to ask. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to ask the right, the right questions to get Absolutely. to that. So thank you. I learned thank you so, much. so much about it. I learned yeah. so much about it. And again, the book is Teamwork 9.0 and author Matt Schlegel, who is with us today again. And thank you so much again for sharing your knowledge and, on this topic and and your own life experiences of how you've used this in your in your life. So thank you. Thank you, Kendra. It was a delight being with you today. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.